0: Hello, Humans of Triathlon, and welcome to another episode of the Hot Podcast, where we bring you the inspiring world of triathlon, one human, one story at a time. I'm Swapnil Chauhan here with my co-hosts Charles Hunk and Radmom Robin, and we've got another amazing guest for you.
1: Welcome to another episode of Humans of Triathlon. For those of you familiar with uh, HOT, whether that is via the website, social media, or our new hot podcast, you will see that we have shared stories of over a 100 people so far. Okay? Stories of personal improvements, stories of facing fears, battling disease, obesity, diabetes, stories about overcoming accidents, stories about extending the quality of life in your midlife and beyond, and so on. These are stories about ordinary people who face adversity in all its forms and shapes, but who manage to succeed by showing extraordinary passion. Today, we're taking it a step further. We'll talk about a topic that has been neglected for years as a taboo. No, and it's a topic that has very recently been taken over the media by a series of tragedies affecting a number of celebrities. I'm talking about mental health in general and how seemingly normal and happy people can sometimes fall into the wrath of things like no depression, addiction, and suicide. Just this week, we witnessed the sudden death of designer Kate Spades and chef Anthony Bourdain, both suicide cases. No, and I'm still personally still affected by similar cases from just last year from two of my ultimate favorite singers, you no, know, as, as uh, were uh, Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington. So these are just the famous people, the ones we usually hear about, needless to say. That is, unfortunately, just the tip of the iceberg. Today's guest has kindly offered to share his story with all of us, and we're thrilled to have him here. It's a story of struggle with his uh, personal problem with addiction, whether via personally or via close loved ones, and then how he has managed to succeed with help, of course, of triathlon. A story about, in his own words, how triathlon has saved my life. So everyone, please welcome Chris Choi. Hello, Chris. Welcome, Chris. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you.
0: Yeah, we're super excited to have you on. You sent through your story to me just yesterday, and I read it, and I just couldn't wait to chat with you after that. Uh, You've been through so many challenges, like Charles just mentioned. Yes. And you're a pretty interesting man. I was trying to find out more about you online through articles and such. There wasn't much, but there was this one article, and I think that article... Itself had so many points I could take note of. So yeah, I can't wait to hear more.
2: Yeah, and I was just thinking an hour is not going to be enough. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah. So to start off, um, we always like to talk about the person's childhood, and you know, to just to give ourselves and everyone listening a bit of context. So tell us a little bit about that. What What were your schooling years like? Where and how were you raised? And were you into sports early on and such?
3: Well, I grew up in a small town in Peoria, Arizona. It's about thirty minutes outside of Phoenix, and um, my childhood my my childhood I grew up with a loving mother and a stepfather, and I guess I, I grew up bullied very bad mostly through grade school, and it was it was it took a lot of effect on me and at the time I, I i grew up playing piano and that was kind of like my outlet to kind of deal with the bullying but eventually i when i got into high school i turned to running cross country and track and that's how i managed to handle the bullying where it started to decrease a little bit in high school mm-hmm. but um it still affected me a lot i because of the bullying i turned into a very shy kind of introverted, reserved type of person. And going into my adulthood, I've had to manage to deal with being that person, uh, extremely shy and learning how to uh, function in the world, um, Mm -hmm. I guess.
0: (laughs) So what led you to running?
3: My mom got me to run this race in eighth grade, and Uh um, I I loved it. I met some really good people when I joined the running club and I'm still friends with um, a few of those people to this day. And it kind of, it gave me a little bit of a community and a little bit of a family, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then I took some time off from running when I, left high school and I moved to New York and, uh, went to school out here and I just got back into everything like four years ago. Okay.
2: Yeah. What brought you back into it? Like, what was the spark?
3: Um, I had just become sober and I needed a new outlet to, I needed a new addiction, I guess is, uh, (laughs) what I, I say now. Um, and it, it, it's it's really um, transformed my life, <laughs> in as far as um, managing my addiction goes.
2: And how specifically triathlon? You come from a running background, obviously, but what yes. what brought you to triathlon?
3: <laughs> well, triathlon is just crazy, <laughs> the, and I think the craziness of it and how uh, structured it has to be and how dedicated you have to be to be successful in triathlon that is what has helped me that's what's different that's one that's what makes it different from running it's um a little bit more intense and i think i need that
0: yes so in these last four years it's you've done quite a few races there. Eh? you've done a few iron man's half Ironmans.
3: yes I, I know i've done six full iron man's I'm not sure how many half. I think it might be fifteen. Wow! Um, half
2: wow in four aren't. years,
3: holy cow! <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> wow! And then uh, marathons, like just standalone marathons, I think I've done um, three or four. I uh, I don't really pay attention to those. I I just I love doing. I love doing them. <laughs>
2: wow, that is fairly prolific for somebody that's been in the sport just a few years.
3: Yes, yeah. thank you.
2: So a lot of people train, 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 and then race. It seems yes. like you, you race a lot as sort of almost as part of your training, but also as a focus. What What is it about racing?
3: I, I just, I feel so alive when I'm traveling and just out there racing with all those people. And it's um, it's kind of like a like a huge adrenaline rush that I just love, and to me, racing is almost as similar as um, doing drugs, but you don't have the come down, the like depression that comes after you do the drugs. I mean, it, it's a better high than than that. <laughs>
2: More continuous.
3: Yes, mm-hmm. and healthier. And so you're,
2: just,
3: you're yes. just about to take off
2: for uh, a big race in Scotland. Scotland. Yes. Tell, us, tell yeah. us where you're going. What you're doing there.
3: Yeah, I'm going out to Scotland. Um, I, uh, I, I believe the race starts in Torridon. Um, it's about two hours from Inverness and, um, it's c- called Keltman. It's, um, part of the Extreme Tri series. Um, I, their most famous, um, triathlon they have is Norseman. Um, right. I've been, and I've been trying to get into Norseman for many years and I don't seem to get lucky enough, but, uh, I finally got lucky and got into Keltman. And, and I also got into Patagon Man, which is in December. But, oh, wow. Um, yes. Um, I, I'm very excited for this. Um, I have a whole support crew coming out with me. and My mom is already out there, and my partner um, is in London right now, but he's heading over um, on Tuesday. So
2: So is it kelp, like uh, seaweed, or is it kelp, like Celtic?
3: Celtic, like Kelts. Okay. Like, yes. <laughs> I wasn't
2: quite sure. I know that's a stupid question. but. Yes. It could be kelp, you know. I
3: mean, yeah. Well, yeah, we (laughs) do swim. (laughs) Yeah, there's jellyfish in the water and stuff like that. So, (laughs) yeah,
1: yeah. I was looking at uh, at Chris's sort of uh, the list of races that he has done, uh, and of course, it came to my attention. I was uh, like, he chose like very like like typically hard Ironmans. If you look at like, so he did uh, like Lake Placid or Canada, which tend to have like very tough bikes. And when he told me that he was doing this kelpman. I went online to sort of understand because I have I, I never, never heard about it. I, I know I've heard about Norsemen. So then when I connected both things, I said, fine. But when one of the things that really called my attention was the way this, um, sort of race was marketed. <laughs> and, uh, so one of the things they say, like clearly, I think one of the USPs, maybe the first one says, come and join us to swim in the cold, deep and jellyfish infested waters. <laughs> right, so it's like I think, uh, and so you know, I think that makes sense because he has been doing the toughest races. Yeah. He also wants to continue on that sort of uh, that sort of path. So, yeah, yeah, congratulations. I mean, definitely, if I was looking for a race, most likely I would look for someone that had the first line. Was we have managed to seclude all the sharks and jellyfish just for <laughs> you to swim in these fantastic waters. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that kind of marketing only appeals to a certain person, I think, right? (laughs) Yes, it does. It must be their target demographic. (laughs)
3: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm very excited.
2: (laughs) So how do you protect your face from jellyfish? Like, uh, I've gotten stung in a couple races, but just tiny, but jellyfish infested sounds like it might require more
3: preparation. I got this um, wetsuit thing that covers my entire face, so um, I'm, I'm, fu- I'm going to be fully covered because the water's is uh, 50 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, so it's going to be a cold swim. Um, Ooh. Yeah. I'll, I'll be safe. And I don't think they're, uh, they sting. I'm not sure that these are dangerous jellyfish, but I'm not sure, so <laughs> we'll find out. So it's
2: kind, benevolent jellyfish-infested waters.
3: Yes, yes. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> So have you yeah, they, trained in, they... in cold water, like specifically to get ready for this um, this kind of temperature?
3: Yes, um, I've been uh, training in the Hudson River uh, all winter and fall. I think the lowest that I uh, swam in this year was 44 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, oh no, no, I'm sorry. It's 37 degrees, 37. Do you have a personal if... icebreaker or something? <laughs> yeah, well, the river hasn't been freezing over lately um, with the global... The warmer climate, so for me it works out. So it's been nice. Yeah,
2: it's a nice balmy thirty-seven.
3: Yeah, yeah. The the fifty. I I swam in fifty degree uh, in the fifty degree water when it got warmer, and it it felt like a sauna compared to the thirty-seven degree water. So it it worked out.
2: So how do you prepare to swim in water that cold? Is there a a regimen that you go through to kind of get ready to get into an ice bath?
3: Um, you're supposed to take cold showers. Um, Yeah, just get used to being in cold conditions, I guess, is the best way to do it. Um, I I was watching videos and they were saying to um, take like a 15 minute long cold shower uh, starting two weeks before the race. And that should help.
0: (laughs) So how do you, is there anything you can do to recover from that after you swim to get on your bike or like...
3: Um, I'm bringing blankets with me, so when I get out of the water, people can throw warm warm me up when I get out. And um, drinking like hot water, uh, Uh um, warming up your core is um, very important too. And yeah, the most important thing is to warm your core up before you get on the bike. So yeah. uh,
0: So talk to us a little bit about your shy nature on triathlon because. I'm introverted myself, and, you know, I, I read your post yesterday. You said one of the alluring qualities of endurance sport is the amount of time you get to spend alone with yourself. So how is, has triathlon helped you become more confident in, you know, just society? How has how that helped in that way?
3: I guess um, what it's helped me to do, it, it has helped me become more confident in a way it's helped me to learn how to accept that I am very shy, and I'm very introverted, and I prefer to be alone a lot, and that it that it's okay. And the nice thing about triathlon is that, yes, you are alone a lot, but also you are around a lot of people as well, you know?
0: Yeah, I think that's what I love about triathlon. Even though it's an individual sport and I get my time alone, there's just this whole community and family around it, which makes Yeah.
3: Fun. There's so many great people in Triathlon, and I've just found that every single person that I've met has you know embraced me with so much love and kindness, and it it is really like a small family. Okay. And we all understand each other, I feel.
2: <laughs> yeah, your line about being alone really struck me too, because I think that's maybe the question a lot of non-triathletes have is um, you know how do you how do you spend so much time out there on the bike or how do you spend so much time out there running? It's, a lot of long-distance athletes feel, yeah, it's great. It's a benefit.
3: Yeah. And it's really easy to, when you're surrounded by so much beauty, you know, there's so much beauty in this world and being able to experience that is just, I, I feel very lucky to be out there experiencing that and seeing all of it.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I do have to ask about biking in Central Park though, because I've always wondered this, like like how, how crowded is it? How crazy is it to try and get a bike workout in there?
3: So the trick is, I, n- I never bike on the weekends. Um, it's impossible because they have the New York Roadrunner races on Sundays usually. And there's just always so much stuff going on in the park on the weekends. But on the weekdays, you have to wake up really early. I usually wake up around 4.30 so that I'm out of the door by 5. And that'll give me enough time to get in maybe like 30 miles before the park starts to get crowded. Yeah, it, you have, and you have to be constantly looking for people like runners going back and forth. And a lot of people are out walking their dogs, too. And okay, I've seen
2: people, dogs, kids.
3: <laughs> yeah, I've I seen a collision with a dog and it's heartbreaking, you know, and every year you there's an article about a cyclist that hits a pedestrian and um, there's been a few deaths actually from a cyclist hitting a pedestrian. Uh, you just have to be careful <laughs> and very aware. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. But now they have banned cars from Central Park completely, so that's a really good thing. For a while, they're letting the taxis drive through the park. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not Um, know that. Yes. Mm -hmm. It it was only um, during rush hour that they were letting them drive around the lower, drive, drive through the park, but they're ending that this week, I think. Actually, this is the last week.
0: So I've help. seen a lot yeah. of kids of yours on your profile. They're very, you know, colorful and bright and such, which you design yourself, right? So
3: <laughs> there was um one that I helped uh, design with Epicure, okay. and it was um the gummy bear suit uh, last year. <laughs> yes, I, I don't know if you saw it, but it's very yes. colorful. I
1: remember. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Nice, nice one. Yes. Yeah. Well, have, I
2: think your entire your entire Insta feed really. Feels designed. It, yeah. it really has this cohesive that's kind of evolved um, over time color scheme. You can just really tell that you're an artist. Oh it's, yes, it just pops <laughs> out instantly.
3: Thank you. Um,
2: not just your kits, but but the whole thing. So tell us a little bit about your design background and how you got into it. How it influences your sport.
3: Um, I, um, moved to New, the reason why I moved to New York was I, uh, I went to Parsons to study fashion design and I've been working in the industry for maybe like 10 years now. And like maybe four years ago, I switched over to just designing prints and textiles. So, um, I just, I, I work a lot with color and I work a lot with like images and graphics and like florals and Stripes and just everything, <laughs> so <laughs> and so and I can manipulate photos very easily, so um, because of my background, so I, I I just apply that to what I wear and my Instagram photos. It's kind of like a little side hobby of mine that I enjoy doing.
2: <laughs> and your partner's your photographer, obviously. Yes,
3: Nevin. Yeah,
2: bringing some skills too.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's an artist. I mean, he's a writer. He works in um, like. he's a professor at cooney but he's also a writer and i think a lot of that is very artistic and it rolls over into his photographs as well so
0: (laughs) yeah you've got quite a few tattoos as well i think like five or six right
3: Uh, i have uh one two three four five yes i have five wow
0: so what's that all about what's the reason behind that because we we had a a guest, our last guest, Ginny Kataldi, She had a few tattoos as well, and she said that she usually gets one when she wants to, you know, like um, how do I say? It? Commemorate yeah, commemorate a um, moment. So, is that the same for you?
3: Yes, they all mean something to me. So, the the first two ones that I got were they're, they're the lines on my wrists, and <laughs> they both represent my aunt and my uncle who committed suicide when I was a kid. That was a for me, it was a very traumatic experience. And, um, it is just, it, when I became sober, I, 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 I wanted to put them on to just remind myself, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to end up like them. I don't want to commit suicide like them. And, um, I saw what it did to my mother and what it did to my family. And every day I see them, it reminds me that I don't want to do that to her. So those are the first ta- two tattoos. And then the third tattoo that I got was on my calf. They're the bottom, the lines at the bottom of a swimming pool. Cause I, I just started swimming four years ago. It, it just, I it, I was so happy and it, I, I wanted to remember that. <laughs> so I had to work so hard to learn how to swim. It was, it was a struggle. <laughs> and my last uh, tattoos that I got um, I got at the same time. The one on my hip is a feather and it reminds me of my mom because she's a bird watcher and I had gone on a trip uh, with her to Trinidad and I, I just wanted to, I, I had sketched the feather that I saw on the beach and I wanted to remember that. And then um, the tattoo, on uh, the stars on my bicep, they're the stars from the old Iron Man League Placid logo.
2: Was that First iron man.
3: no it was not my first iron man but it was for me the most meaningful because my mom came to see it. it was her it was her first iron man that she saw me compete in and it's it's my home it's in my home state i consider new york my home state now yes. yeah that's pretty cool stuff yes So
2: you touched on your aunt and uncle and kind of the impact that had on you if it's comfortable can you talk about just sort of the dark times that triathlon has brought you out
3: of yes um so you know t- today i was just thinking about you know a lot of it actually because i had sent the email to you about i i kind of sent that kind of dark email about my past and it was making me think of when my uncle killed himself uh he 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 killed himself uh with a gun um he shot himself in the head And I I remember when I was there in the room when my mom answered the phone call. Um, Mm. and I, the, the scream that I heard from her, I'll never forget how much pain she was in when she found out. And, um, so like it, it also got me to thinking, you know, I had, when I took that week off from school, and then I went back to school. The first day I was back at school, one of the kids came up to me on the playground, you know, and um, picked me up and threw me on the ground. And, you know, they were teasing me like they always had. And that day was very traumatic, too, (laughs) for me. For some reason, that day sticks out to me because I had gone crying in front of the classroom to my teacher and they didn't do anything. And she dragged me over to his classroom that he was in and I was crying in front of everyone there. And like, nothing happened to him, you know? And just that whole time frame, I guess, had a really big impact on my life, you know? And I, in continuing on with this whole gun story, I, had, I was in a very dark place. When I was in high school, I, I had found a gun underneath my mom's bed and I, I I I wanted to die you know because of all the teasing I was still going through and um I, I remember just sitting there as a kid crying and um wanting to do what my uncle had done and shoot myself with the gun <laughs> and I, I I know I know this is a little bit dark. I, I've actually never really told anybody. My mom knows a little bit about me finding the gun under her bed because I had asked her if it was the gun that my uncle used to kill himself, which it was not. But I just I'm glad I didn't you know try and mimic what he had done because I'm very happy that I'm alive today. And and so and anyway, uh, I also want to like. You know, I, I like to, I, I would like to talk a little bit more freely about my addiction because I know there's a lot of people that are still struggling with drug addiction. And I hope that by me talking about all this will give kind of hope to other people that there is life beyond the dark side. Uh, it just takes a lot of work to get out of it, but it's very, very worth it. So what were
0: the steps like for you?
3: Well, I struggled with drug addiction for a good 10 years. It started when I started college. It, it was kind of a way for me to escape what a lot of the stuff that had happened in my childhood. And during that time, I, um, I, I don't know how to explain um, how it feels to be a drug addict. I mean, cause there's just very dark moments in your life. Uh, you're very depressed. There are times when you just don't want to be alive and when you don't, you just don't love yourself, you know, and you, I don't know. It's um I don't know how to put it, but um, you you do a lot of stuff that you, you wouldn't normally do, I guess. But my mom had moved out here um, to help me with my uh, drug addiction in 2008 uh, when I had, I I I almost didn't graduate college because of it. So she helped me um kind of give me a little bit more of stability to finish college and then my friends had pushed me to go to rehab and that's where I got a lot of counseling and going to AA meetings or CMA meetings also helped and um I, I guess when you want to become sober, it's something that has to come from within, mm-hmm. and because it's very, it, it it's very difficult. <laughs> but the thing that everybody tells you all the time is that it's worth it, and you have to be patient. And yeah,
2: well, it sounds like you had a support sort of structure. I mean, you had family and friends who are really you know, invested in helping you move through it.
3: Yeah, I. um, that, that's also something that's very important for anybody who is struggling with, um, drug addiction. It's okay to let people help you. And when I say help, I don't mean support you in the sense of giving you money or, um, you know, giving you a place to live. When I say help, I mean in getting you treatment because that is what you need because we, as a drug addict, we're mentally ill. And we need doctors and people who know what they're doing to help us get better. So what would
2: your advice be to someone who may have a friend or family member struggling? Like, how how did your friends reach out and get you to understand that rehab would be a good thing for you? Did you kind of struggle against that?
3: I did, you know, I I struggled a lot um, when I would, when my friends told me I needed, you know, maybe to tone it down a little bit. I'd be like, no, you know, it's just, I'm having fun. It's just recreation. Um, And the other thing is, a lot of my friends that I had were also using, that's another thing when you become sober, you have to kind of let go of some of your friends. Um, But there was one friend of mine that, you know, always kind of kept on pushing me to get help and my my friend john like one day one one week i had one one day i had passed out at the gym i from taking some mixture of drugs that didn't work out for me (laughs) and um that's when he's like he called me and he met up with me he's like dude you need to go to rehab i'll walk you i'll find you a place and I'll walk you to the clinic and coming from somebody, you know, that means so much to me that really helped. And I, you know, I was sick of living the way that I was living. And I was like, I agreed to it. And I, I that was like the start of my recovery. I, I did relapse after that. And that's normal. You know, It, ha- it relapsing happens. And um, when I relapsed, I hated it. I hated myself so much. And um, anybody else that is out there who relapses, it's okay. Don't hate yourself. Even if you've had like maybe a year of sobriety under your belt, you still put in a lot of work to get better. And it's just important to continue, try to continue to strive to stay clean. It, it took me a while to start to feel like my old self again, a few years actually. And, and then I wound up in triathlon and like I don't even think about drugs anymore, (laughs) which is wonderful. Yeah, it's really great. That's
2: an incredible statement. Yeah. Holy cow.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's really wild. I I still think about it. and I just, I don't. Well, what
2: strikes me is, is you're such an incredibly strong person, a tough person. I mean, even the kinds of races you choose, you look at your race record, you choose things that are really hard and really challenge you. And I think that speaks to how difficult it is. Combat drugs because look at your strength and how much of a struggle it still
3: was. Yes, somebody who's
2: tr- really determined, strong-willed, strong person.
3: I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't look at it that way. I just, I just look at it as like I am so happy to be alive and healthy again. I just want to do everything. It, I, it, that's that's my perspective of everything. I just, I want to like, I I could die tomorrow. And I'm just so thankful to be alive now. And I want to live in, I just want to live to my fullest now. <laughs>
2: Even if that means swimming in jellyfish infested
3: water.
1: Yes, definitely. <laughs> I guess that's part of the, I mean, obviously it's not ideal that you have to go through, through those, like you said, 10 years of addiction and then a couple more years of rehab. I mean, yes. it's, it's a very tough, I guess, uh, on anyone. But I think if there's something that that sort of experience, like you just said, no, like like left you, is that sort of being so close maybe to to the end that you actually appreciate and you want to just stick to life as as knowing that you you could have just begun now. Yes, and I think that's what fosters this sort of behavior of wanting to. Just achieve, achieve, and and live to the fullest, like you said, which is, I think, it's it's a great thing, definitely.
3: Yes, it really is. And, you know, I just want to say one more thing because I heard you say that I lived with 10 years of addiction. I'm still an addict, and that's the thing about addiction. You're once an addict, you're always an addict. Yes, I had 10 years of drug addiction, but now I have another addiction, which is triathlon, and
1: um, that has replaced my drug addiction. Well, I know, I know a couple of places you can go if you really want to treat yourself against triathlon. It's difficult. I'm also an addict, you know, and yes. I'm trying desperately to, 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 to find a cure, but you know what? It's just impossible. I, I keep signing up for these crazy things, and I'm have a, an Ironman race in three, in three weeks, and I suffer. You, know, you, you suffer in the training, you suffer in the bike, you suffer in the run, but hey, here we are, but it's good. Yes. It's beautiful. So, yeah. It's a
3: good suffering. It's a it's, it's a really good suffering.
1: <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yes. And I'm sure Robbie and Swannie as well.
3: Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever worry that it will become uh I don't know, danger like somehow take it too far or it will become too addictive for you?
3: I think <laughs> my biggest worry is um going back to who I used to be. That that is my biggest worry. I am not, Yeah,
0: I read in your story yesterday, you said the fear of returning to that darkness is my motivation that keeps me going.
3: Yes. Um, oh, that was a great I, I'm willing to take triathlon as far as I have to. Um, I, I think my body will have its limits and it will tell me that. But I would rather go as far as I can, you know, with endurance sport or triathlon than to go back to those dark days that I used to live in. So I, I i am, I'm very happy now and I want to, I'm afraid to lose that, you know.
2: Tell us a little bit about your first, like your first triathlon experience, your first race experience. When did you know that this was a different kind of high or, or a different kind of experience for you?
3: Gosh, um, I guess my, um, I don't know. So th- th- every triathlon is so different, <laughs> And the emotions well, tell are. Talk about your first one. Okay, my very, my very first one was a sprint triathlon, and um, it was at Lake Welsh in Harriman um, State Park here in New York, and I just loved it. It was um, I, I was just, I thought it was just so cool to be able to call myself a triathlete. Finally, you know, I my swim wasn't the best. I had to um, swim on my back for a while because um, I was. I got anxiety in the water, but um, I think that um, the fact that the swimming was difficult for me, even though it was so short, I think that's what made me want to keep on going. I was like, I want to do more. And that night, I think I had gone home and I had signed up for an Olympic race just a few months. Like, I think it was like a month later, actually, that I um, did that. And yeah, it just everything just escalated from one triathlon to the other. Like I just wanted to sign up more and more and more. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: So, what about your first Iron race? You said Lake Placid wasn't your first, but what what is it about the Iron Distance? What drew you to it, and and how did you get through that first one?
3: Oh, my first one, my first um, Iron Man was in Lake Tahoe in two thousand and fifteen.
2: Oh, that's a tough one.
3: Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was.
2: <laughs> That's like fighting up a, a real tough one to start with Holy cow. yeah the
3: reason why i signed up for that was because the one that like lake Placid, was sold out um like all the ones that i wanted to do were sold out and lake tahoe was still open so i yeah, i wonder why yeah <laughs> well i learned <laughs>
2: no, all the hilly ones seem to not sell out very quickly i don't know what yeah anymore.
3: And the water was pretty cold. It, At the elevation. Yes, and the elevation too. But that was a struggle. <laughs> but I that again, the struggle was what what I loved so much about it. It's kind of like when you do a cocaine for the first time and you are constantly chasing that high. Um, triathlon to me is kind of similar. I mean, the high of that Ironman, I'm constantly trying to chase it. And yeah, like I I loved it so much uh, that night. I had gone home to sign up for Ironman Cozumel, um, which was three months away. So.
2: <laughs> so from high and cold to hot and tropical.
3: Yes. Cozumel was nice. <laughs> I, I liked Cozumel compared to Lake Tahoe. <laughs>
2: that's, that's my next dream Ironman is Cozumel.
3: Yeah, it's beautiful. The swim is probably the most pleasant swim I've ever done. So highly recommend it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it looks lovely and Warm and blue. Yes. And not jellyfish. (laughs) No,
3: not jellyfish. I mean, there are a few jellyfish actually, but not a lot.
2: Although windy, windy and hot. Yes. But flat and flat. (laughs) They all have their challenges.
3: Yes, they do. What is your dream race? Norseman. That's my dream race. Yes.
2: That's kind of my dream race too. I really want to do that. That is, that's one that's out there on my, my mental radar. I don't know. Something about just how ugly. Yeah horribly ugly
3: <laughs> but it looks so beautiful doesn't it it's, but I don't mean yeah. ugly like that yeah. I just mean like
2: it's tough yeah tough, ugly but then the scenery is so stark and yeah and just kind of grueling but but lovely mm-hmm.
3: yes I, I think that's a bucket list race for a lot of triathletes I have a feeling <laughs> well
2: and that's that's how triathletes are different than normal people because I remember watching that video somebody I don't know tagged me in it on Facebook Robin you got to see this when they put out that video about Norseman And I watched it with a couple of friends and I was like, oh my gosh, this looks amazing. I so want to do this. And they were all like, this looks horrifying. Why would anybody want to
3: do this? Only we understand each other, right? Right. I mean, it's just
2: kind of a a thing where you think it's something tough. I want to see if I can get through that, I guess. Mm
3: -hmm. Yes. And then as for trail, I mean, I started getting into trail running. My dream uh, trail running race would be the Barkley Marathon that looks I'm
2: not familiar with that. Barkley. What it, is that?
3: It's uh five loops and very few people finish it. Uh nobody finished it this year. It it's in t- Tennessee.
2: And what's why don't people finish it? Is the distance, the heat, the
3: So it's sixty miles. The runners they swear that it's more than sixty miles. But <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, like a documentary on this. Yes, uh there's a documentary Yeah, so the winner in 2017 is John Kelly, who was also a triathlete and is 59 hours, 30 minutes, and 53 seconds.
2: (laughs) Wow.
3: Yeah, it's crazy.
2: (laughs) So what is it about this race?
3: I think just the um, challenges that it's so appealing to me and to so many other people as well.
2: So what is your favorite training trail run?
3: Um, I, I love running in the Catskills. I, I particularly like running along the Escarpment Trail. It, it's it's really beautiful out there. I kind of wish, though, that the trails were a little bit smoother, like the West Coast trails in California or something.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I run a lot of rocky trails around here, so I'm not sure. Oh, you do?
3: <laughs> well, Oregon. Yeah, yeah, well, Oregon's a little bit farther up. So, so yeah, you're a trail ru- runner as well.
2: Yeah, for me, um, I never really learned to love running till I started trail running.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah. Like running was just sort of the reluctant
2: part of triathlon. Like, oh yeah, to be a triathlete, I guess I have to run. Yes, um, I totally I agree. Love trail, yeah. <laughs> love trail running.
3: Yeah. And you don't have to worry about being hit by cars or anything. That's the, <laughs> the beauty of it too. You no, know,
2: cougars, uh, <laughs> yeah. bears. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite trail here, there's signs because there's been some cougar has stalked a couple of people.
3: Oh my gosh. Do you know what you're supposed to do when you see those animals? <laughs>
2: yes, don't turn okay. and run.
3: <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, that's the one thing you're not supposed to do. <laughs>
2: yeah, make yourself look big, yell. I know a guy who got stalked when he was on his mountain bike and he got off his bike, picked it up and like shook the bike at the cougar and yelled. And that worked? Yeah.
3: Oh, wow. Oh good. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> at least at least for him.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah, I saw in the news recently that um, there were two mat- mountain bikers that were attacked by a cougar. I, I think one of them lived in, and uh, one died. Yeah, yeah, one died. So
2: but they did scare I, it away initially, but then they turned and went, you know, on or to go back, and that's when it got them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the takeaway is there, but uh,
3: yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: being vigilant i guess
3: safety first i guess
0: <laughs> speaking about all these animals i i remember you mentioning something you you have a dog right and yes. it's really random but i think you mentioned that you had a goal of writing a children's book about an urban farmer triathlete with a crazy dog or something like that is that still- <laughs> <laughs> oh my
3: gosh <laughs> um so that's like a running joke between my partner and i um he, um, we always joke about writing these like twisted children's books where like it should not be a children's book. <laughs> <laughs> so we always uh come up with these weird children's book scenarios. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> to be serious, actually, I think it would be fun to do a children's book one day to do, like do all the graphics and stuff like that. So,
2: do you mind talking a little bit about being a LGBTQ athlete? Yes,
3: you know, so, um,
0: uh, about like what's, how do you see the community within triathlon for that? And is it inclusive or do you think people are hesitant to get involved from the LGBTQ community? What's it like?
3: Uh-huh. Um, well, so I'm part of the front runners, front runners New York. Um, it's the LGBTQ running group out here in New York City. And, you know, I've found that the triathlon community to be very opening, uh, very open and I've experienced no issues whatsoever. At first, when when I first started to do triathlon, I, I, I was a little bit nervous, but I don't even think about, I don't think about a lot of that stuff, mostly because I live in New York City where everybody is very open and accepting. So if, for me, I haven't had any issues at all. Yes.
2: Um, yeah. I would hope that the triathlon community is, you know, just supportive in general, it seems, seems like.
3: Yeah. Oh, yes. Very. Um, I, I don't think anybody even thinks about that kind of stuff in in the triathlon community. Um, if they do, I, I I don't know about it. <laughs>
2: That'd be unusual.
3: Yes. So
2: how does uh, training affect your partner? Do you, is there like a certain amount of training that, that goes well? And then uh, we, we talked about this event with our last guest about kind of finding that balance of training and time alone and time with our partners or family where do you find
3: that balance it works somehow um it's we we were both we both have the same schedule um we work we go to work at the same time i think where he struggles with my training is when i wake up at four thirty, and i i don't like to wake up alone so i try and drag him out of the bed or i'll turn on the light <laughs> So that he oh, wakes wow. up. me. <laughs> <laughs> that's harsh. I know. But he he's a, he has a very busy schedule himself. Um, he's always writing papers or writing um, grant proposals. Or he just came out with a book recently. So uh, we're both very busy. Like when I'm out there doing like a ten hour training day, he is at home writing and working. So for for us, it works out no issues at all. <laughs> I think the one okay. thing he wishes is that I raced less um, because we schedule all of our vacations around my races. I, I think he would like to do um, a few vacations that don't entail a crazy race. So <laughs> somewhere in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but and I, do you think that'll wear off your desire to race that much? Or do you think that's going to be you as part of your triathlon journey?
3: I don't know. I, I can't give a definite answer because right now I don't feel like it's going to wear off. I, I'm starting to lean a little bit more toward ultra marathons now. Um, I, I love triathlons too, but I think my next journey is like ultra races, like a hundred plus miles just running in the mountains. Um, I keep on joking with him that I'm going to start to pick up rock climbing or ice climbing and um, we're gonna go hike Mount Everest one day. <laughs> he he's um he doesn't like me to watch documentaries about that kind of stuff because it gives me ideas.
2: You're from extreme sports
3: documentaries. Yes, I am. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
2: I can understand that. Yes. <laughs> Again, it's the type of person who reads or hears something and goes, "Oh, that sounds interesting," versus "That sounds
3: horrifying." Yeah. You could die doing, know, that. That you die doing that. That looks fun. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Alright then I think as we can wrap things up. Um so are there any people you'd like to give a shout out to?
3: Yes uh, I mean um my partner Nevin Cohen obviously and he's gone gone to every single race of mine and my mom Brenda who also goes to most of my races and but she's a huge support um system for me. And uh my coach Anthony Bagnato, he's been with me my entire triathlon career and then um epic scare they're my um sponsor for tri suits and they have great stuff <laughs> so yes that, that's about it when are you
2: bringing out your own brand line that's what i yeah. want to know
3: <laughs> i when i have time i guess i have to make um i would have to do less races because <laughs> i think I, I
2: don't know i think that'd be pretty awesome you, you yes. your stuff is really exciting fun
3: Thank you. Well, you know, I'm actually, um, you know, I'm considering about maybe possibly taking a few more, um, courses that, uh, go back to college to take a few more courses to look, to learn. I, I want to learn more about like high tech fabrics and stuff like that. And who knows, maybe someday down the road. <laughs> so all the
2: world triathlon needs a gummy bear line. I'm just <laughs> yes. saying.
3: Yes. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I, I would love to do that one day. I, I actually would. So it's definitely on my list of things to start to think about (laughs)
2: all right well sign us up when you need some test uh subject
3: yes thank you yes i will (laughs) definitely (laughs) so
0: all right where can everyone find you online on your social media and such
3: so my instagram feed it's uh chris underscore yc i'm on strava under chris Choi, and i'm on facebook too but i don't i don't have any blogs or anything
0: cool cool all right, uh our last question, why do you try?
3: I don't know why do I not try. It's um oh I, I was I don't know if I was prepared for this. <laughs> I I try to keep on pushing myself to the fullest that I can and uh, I try to keep on enjoying life. Yes.
2: That, that is that. a fantastic
3: answer. Yes. Thank you.
0: <laughs> All right, Chris, it's it was
3: a real pleasure having you. you on here. Yes. Yes, thank yeah. you for having me on. It's been great talking to everybody.
0: Yeah, thank I think it was a very insightful episode for everyone listening. So yes. thank you for speaking so openly about everything. Yes.
2: Yes, I think these conversations have to happen in order for people to have better understanding. So I really appreciate it, you being willing to be open about it and, and raw, honest.
3: Yeah, it's very important for uh, because there's such a stigma behind addiction and there's so many different types of of addicts and it's just not just one type of person, you know, and, you know, everybody, you know, is. I I think that's why I like to talk. That's why I like to talk about it. I, I think it's important for other addicts also to talk about their issues. So,
0: For sure. So Chris, once again, thank you for the chat and to everyone listening. I hope you enjoy that episode and please do share it with your friends, your family, or anyone who you think needs to listen to this episode i think even if we are able to help just one person like really help just even just one person through this episode i think we would have done a good job so please do share it and if you liked what you've heard so far on the hot podcast make sure to subscribe if you haven't already and leave us a review in the review section it would mean a lot we just got another review a few days ago from alicia woodroof aka Get amped on Instagram. So, Alicia, thank you so much for the review. And I've been following Alicia for a few months now. She's been absolutely crushing her training and racing. So, keep up the amazing work, Alicia. And again, and yeah, we would love to get you on the podcast soon as well. So, I will hit you up regarding that soon. Um, But yeah, keep up the great work and thank you again for the review. And everyone else, please do leave us a review subscribe share with your friends it lets us know that you guys are listening and liking what we're doing and it keeps us going so all right that's it from us for now till next time my friends stay awesome and keep trying